Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. <laughs> hey, Lions. How's it going? It's not good, man. You know, when you go into a restaurant and there's like the old joke about you, you order a Coke and they say, is Pepsi okay? Right? This is such a long, well established joke making fun of pepsi that pepsi tried to take it back and they did the like is pepsi okay campaign uh rye star is that for sonic right yeah you go over to your friend's house and you're like hey man you want to play some video games like oh yeah i can play some video games you uh you want to play sonic they're like i got rye star is rye star okay no you know it's not because you had to ask no, in fact, in every way possible, I, I would like to spend as much of this episode talking about Sonic instead of Ristar, Um, just because that would emotionally make me feel better. So, I mean, we'll still do the review, but <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're going to constantly be comparing it to Coke. And the more that we can talk about Coke, the better. So um, what I would like to ask is that any expletives that we have in this one, that you substitute them in <laughs> with Sonic music <laughs> instead of Ristar music. Just for our listeners' sake, you know. Well, and I, I mean, we've already completely given up the punchline, but I want to. I want to be genuinely clear about two things. Um, we both tried really hard to give this game a genuine chance, right? And we are going to give it a genuine review. It's not going to just be an hour and a half of us like making fart noises, although we could. Um, but the the word that i keep coming back to for this game and that i you will hear throughout my my opinion of its various facets is tragedy because if this was a a cash grab if this was a uh you know they just phoned it in if this was lazy if this was somebody's first outing and it's like oh well, no wonder it's terrible these people have no idea what they're doing right then you would feel differently about it right but this is there is some real love and effort that went into certain aspects and it just doesn't hang together. And Jesus Christ. I mean, we've basically just ended the episode. So there's music. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, so here, here is what I would like to think of this. So I, I actually did a little bit of legwork on this and this is where we'd normally fit this anyways, is uh, this came out in 94 or 95, somewhere in there, right? uh, November 95, which is dangerously close to when Sega was abandoning the Genesis. <laughs> Right. So the weird thing is that Sonic 3 came out before this, which is interesting because of some mechanical reasons that I'll get into later. Right. But so that means that they produced this. Right. They they produced Sonic 3. Then they produced this. Then they the Sonic team went on to produce everything that was Sonic, not on the Genesis. Right. So that makes this the seminal tragedy. Right. (laughs) That is what this was, right? Is this was like the, you know, well, we can do things other than Sonic. And it's like, no, no, you can't. And it's like, okay, but we can, we know Sonic well enough to like mold it into, no, you don't. You, this was a very, very shallow well. And, <laughs> and you are consistently proving that. So yes, I, I would say that Rystar is the seminal tragedy. Yeah, I'm, I'm for that. Uh, that's also an amazing subtitle to a game. <laughs> <laughs> Rystar, the seminal <laughs> tragedy. 
Dude, to be fair, I, I mean, honestly, I'd be more forgiving of this game if, like, I had purchased it under that auspices. You know, like, if, if somebody said, like, oh, you got to play Rise Star, why? It is the seminal tragedy. I'd be like, I'm, I'm on board. And then that would have way made my experience much, much better. Yeah, well, and, and here's here's the huge bummer, right? Like, there is a loyal following to this game, and I'm not... We're going to have lots of critical things to say, but none of them are truly critical of someone's opinion, right? Like, now that we've completely given up the game before we've gotten to the front of the episode, like, if you love this game, like, that's fine. I don't I don't yeah. care if you love a game I don't love, but there are lots of things that I think are objectively bad that we are about to spend an hour crapping all over. But <laughs> what broke my heart as the you know co-host of nostalgia goggles is this was a listener request <laughs> i was like damn it i hate when i don't have a good time playing a game that's a listener request because i don't want that person to like feel attacked like i'm not judging their opinion i'm not i don't think they were trying to troll us like i want to give whoever this was i don't have their name in front of me uh and i don't have their permission to say it but I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I want to assume that they enjoyed this game and they wanted to see what we thought of it. Not that they were like, oh, I remember that game being terrible and I want to see if they'll have a terrible experience, right? So, well, the, you know, opinions, we're going to state our opinions, but we're not judging anyone else's opinions. Well, no. And I mean, like in the same way that had I not been doing this podcast, if somebody said, oh, I'm doing a nostalgia goggles podcast, I'm like, oh, man, you know what you should play? golden axe i love that game as a kid the game was awesome i spent so many hours playing it you should check it out right and we saw how that turned out so i mean like we ourselves have been we've trolled ourselves effectively you know it's like, congratulations we trolled ourselves right so no there's definitely no harm no foul i don't think that i mean and maybe they did go back and play it recently and they're like oh no this definitely holds up and it's like eh. so um so yeah no, no no harm no foul so do either of us have a nostalgia experience for this no, the I, my experience for this game is that I was aware it existed and I was aware it was considered part of like Sega's catalog, right? In in the way, mm -hmm. like I should say, Sega's portfolio, right? The things you would choose to raise up because uh, the way you, you played this game, I think, was through a collection of classic Genesis games, which means... Yes of the certainly dozens, maybe hundreds of Genesis games, they selected Rystar to be like one of those 40 or 50 games. It's like Rystar. Huh? Yeah, really? <laughs> and it's just not my cup of tea, mostly because I don't like giant pieces of shit in my tea, but you know, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. Visuals. Oh, no, no, we got it. We got it. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to promote ourselves. You know, this is an important part of being an internet personality. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but I uh, I will invite anyone, especially because by the time uh, this episode is released, I will still be playing Super Mario RPG, probably, uh, because that is a little bit longer of a game. Um, I'm Rysar is dead to me, uh, but I have been having a really good time playing Super Mario RPG because. Uh, the community around that game is uh, like all thumbs up. And so I've been having some nice conversations with people on Twitch. So you should follow me on Twitch. Uh, and also we have like Twitter accounts and reviews on Apple podcasts and all of those people, their opinions on our goodness is those are beyond question. Those aren't opinions. Those are just statements of fact. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so visuals. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's Sonic. It's, 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 
it's Sonic visuals. I mean, it's it's a Sonic game. I mean, the the one thing that I can just say to intro our discussion on visuals is literally the stage introduction screen is just ripped wholesale i mean like it to to the degree to which that <laughs> that when i noticed it i said because i started playing this game first i said dude this is a hard sonic knockoff and you're like it can't be that bad i sent you a screenshot of sonic's intro stage and a screenshot of this intro stage and then that prompted us to have a fairly in-depth conversation on the nature of plagiarism <laughs> and if one can plagiarize their own work like that is all an organic thing that happened just to like kind of give people an idea of how one-to-one this is and so all of the visuals are like that which is great i mean in the sense of like the overall feel of the visuals it's it's a it's a it's a pretty game you know yeah and and the 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 ripoffs don't end there and and for my own sake, uh, I'm going to use phrases like that a lot, but in reality, I think this is actually kind of within their rights. You know, they can say, oh yeah, we used a similar visual uh, style and palette because Sonic is one of our really super successful franchises. It's basically our only super successful franchise. And so we're going to do similar stylings in this other game because we also want this thing to be successful. But a lot of times if you make a thing and then you make another thing, that's a slightly worse version of that thing that doesn't really attract more consumers. I mean, Hey, what do I know? But I I think what makes this most directly cloned from Sonic to me at first was the, the obvious things like the, the little title card, I guess you would call it right. Where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, zone one act one, like that kind of thing. Um, those are, are, you don't have to know anything about video games to be like, these two things look the same. But yeah. the more I played the game, the more I was like, he even is animated like Sonic. Like, if this isn't literally the same animators, it's certainly someone who is told to copy that style because he, uh, you know, Rystar, like when he gets to the edge of a platform, he does a kind of like, whoa, animation, which was, you know, Sonic's is like super over the top and cartoony. Um, he has different idle animations in different levels. Like in the ice level, his idle animation is like, he sort of looks cold and in like the beach level, his idle animation, he sort of like sits down and like fans himself cause he's hot. And, and like, that's, they're all beautiful, lovingly crafted mm-hmm. animations. And, they're so it's like if you could reach out and like peel the sticker off the screen you'd be like oh it's just sonic wearing a mask like it's because it (laughs) Uh, it was old man sonic the whole time (laughs) yes like it it feels it doesn't just look like oh this is a similar art style like it it has a sonic feeling to it like that old that old good 2d sonic man like it it just looks and feels like that which is not it's not a bad thing artistically, like artistically, he looks fantastic. Now, the the one caveat to that is personally, uh, what is up with simple shapes with black arms and legs and gloves on? Like, why was that a thing in the 90s? Why was Cool Spot a mascot for 7-Up? Like, why, why did they just take simple shapes and slap solid black arms and legs on them and call them characters? Like, wh- wh- how did that become a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that <laughs> I think it's just a really, really easy way to anthropomorphize stuff. And but there's and already that, things that are like alive and have agency. <laughs> like, why do yeah, we yeah. keep taking like, oh, we'll put arms <laughs> and legs on this chair and it'll be cherry the chair. 
like, why? Well, because I think that what happened was that, you know, like they, they did that where they said like, okay, you know, we're going to take a, a hedgehog. It's like, well, how, how are we going to make a hedgehog human? It's like, just, just just put big, 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 long arms and, and legs and, and the, the Mickey hands on it and it'll look fine. You know, it's like, do it with a star and do it with this. But I think that the first one or two times somebody did it, they were like, what? yeah, no one, no one, no one's questioning it. All right, cool. Then we've got a new thing. Like I think that literally since just nobody challenged it we were all like all right yeah no we'll accept this they were like awesome this is super easy to do let's just keep churning it out you know i'll I'll bet seven up is the brand that ruined this because like the you know hanna-barbera and warner brothers had a very different animation style to disney and when i think of you know boneless arms and legs that have you know big white gloves at the end i don't think hanna-barbera or warner brothers i think mickey mouse right and a lot of other disney characters look like that but actually not all of them right they there is a a lot of variation but mickey mouse and Minnie mouse has you know boneless arms and legs and gloves and gigantic unrealistic shoes and Whenever that style is copied, like Sonic the Hedgehog, like Rystar, it to me it screams Mickey Mouse. But you just know that someone at Seven Up was like, "Oh, our logo has a red dot in it, so the mascot could just be that dot with Mickey Mouse arms and legs." It's like that's not a mascot. That's a you're gonna draw lines coming off of a circle? No, no, no. Sunglasses. Yeah, well, because Jim, yeah, I mean, like, you're I, I, fired. No, I, I think they, they actually the way that that went down was exactly like it did in The Simpsons, where they're like, like, okay, he needs to have attitude, attitude, rostify him by like another ten percent <laughs> or so, you know. And then they just came up with that, you know, and then it was like, no, even more, and they just made bigger, thicker sunglasses. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and all this is true. Uh, yeah. So no, I mean, like that. That's that's absolutely a a. A animation style that that apparently people could get away with and they were using pretty regularly at the time um so one of the things i had and i, I put this in the visuals because i think that it fits better there is um this is literally the note which is you know what's fun about sonic enemies coming out of nowhere and hitting you um <laughs> thank god they copied that part yeah that was that was my favorite part um yeah but no i mean it was it it, it happens in this game too and so this this to me is a is a chance, you know, because we did Sonic Two was our second episode. That's you know? true. Yeah, so I hated it then, and I hate it now. But <laughs> I've gotten like before, I just had like a rusty saw of why I hated it. Now I've got like this laser scalpel, so I think I can more articulate why this is bad. Which is, it's it's poor enemy telegraphing, right? Is so. The enemies in this game, I don't feel telegraph super well. There are some things that telegraph really well. Like take, for instance, the stage one boss, right? Where he, um, like when he does his like, you know, rain down, like he rains stuff down on you like that, you get plenty of time to react to. When he does his, you know, little tornado that you get plenty of time to re- react to. That's awesome. But then you have some enemies that just immediately like pop out of nowhere and then just hit you. And it's like, how was I supposed to know that, that existed and and this is definitely more mechanical but the problem is that it breaks up your rhythm right so theoretically if you're getting used to playing this game you start to get into a rhythm where you're like okay i'm moving and you start to move through the level just like in sonic where the goal is to be able to move fluidly through the level and having enemies that 
visually you can't predict that they are even going to be there, much less how they are going to behave, or that don't trigger that behavior until you are way cl- too close to reasonably adapt to it, is it's bad design. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's frustrating because you just you automatically get hit and yeah so i mean like so it it was frustrating in sonic but it wasn't it didn't happen a lot in the sonic you know because a lot of times you were like barreling through areas and you know if you got tagged you got tagged once but in this one they can tag you three or four times before you can get by it and it's real frustrating so poor enemy telegraphing and i can't i wish i could remember what game we had a similar discussion to the one we are about to have but we played another game where you had the same complaint and I had the same complaint I'm about to make, which is, is two different parts of the elephant, you know, which to me, the problem isn't the enemy placement. It's the camera because I can't see what the hell I'm doing because the camera is in super tight. And the reason the camera is in super tight and I'm, I'm speculating here, but they really wanted to lovingly animate Rystar, which meant they needed more pixels, which means he's huge. And that means he is enormous. And this was a toy story note, I believe. Yes. Because- yeah. Right. The camera is just essentially up closer because the character is taking up more of the screen, which means maybe if you could pull the camera back by 50%, you would say, Oh, Rystar doesn't move that fast and I can see that enemy over there but with the camera right up his points you can't see that enemy right over there and you do crash into them which I don't know if if you would argue that that's a level design thing or if it's a, a like the way they chose to display the visuals but it it doesn't matter because you arrive at the same elephant you get tagged out of nowhere and it's frustrating and it feels like there's nothing you could have done about it except memorize enemy placement which whether that's a visual problem or a camera problem or a level design problem it results in the exact same frustration and i'm because i'm with you 100 percent. like there were so many times that i got nailed where i was just like how 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 was i supposed to see that i literally it was off camera yeah, and I think that, that it's it's a product of both, which is that if you have enemies that don't telegraph well and are not even on the screen most of the time, right, that, that both of those two things come together. I have a third point to this Triforce of Terrible, which is the <laughs> fact that they are inconsistent about animating things on the screen that can and cannot hurt you. For example, on the second level, rocks fall from the ceiling. Those don't hurt you, but there's no way to know that. So you do have stuff that is cluttering, but then literally the stage one boss is raining stuff down from the sky that absolutely does hurt you. You know, so like literally I, I this, this, and, and I don't want to say things we can't take back, but this is, because <laughs> it's not this bad, but this is a home alone two problem, you know? Uh, where where it's like, I don't know what things are in the foreground, what things are in the background, what things can and can't hurt me because the way that they've animated some of the stuff, like it, it especially for instance, in stage two, the little um, enemies that spawn other enemies, like the only reason why I thought to destroy that was because it was spawning enemies, not because there was anything visually that said, hey, this is not part of the background, aside from the fact that it was it was moving. It, it in every way looked like it was part of the background, whereas the rocks falling from the ceiling absolutely looked like something that would hurt me. So I spent a fair amount of time dodging them until I accidentally got tagged by one of them and it didn't do anything i was like oh apparently those don't hurt me and then i promptly ignored them you know but it just makes for this visually cluttered experience to where you're not really sure 
it makes the player hesitant. And if the player is hesitant, you're never going to get into a good flow. And if the, and if one, and I've got this later in my mechanics notes, so I may circle back around to it. But if one of the core aesthetics is, in my opinion, abnegation, right? The idea that you can just get into that soft, uh, your eyes go into soft focus and you can get into that rhythm, which you absolutely can with Sonic, right? Is because Sonic goes between like being able to just rhythmically kind of go through areas, right? And then sometimes they'll test your platforming chops, but then you kind of just get into that rhythm, right? Um, that's Sonic, and that's clearly what they were trying to emulate here, but if you're constantly interrupting the player's flow through poor visuals, it chops all of that up, right? So, like I said, another area, so you've got enemies don't telegraph well with the camera is super close to Rystar, and not everything in that super close, poorly telegraphed thing is stuff that you should be even paying attention to. That makes for a, a poor visual experience, even though the visuals are beautiful. Like, they're they're great looking. Have you ever heard the expression every frame a painting? Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is like the cynical interpretation of that. Where it's like, wow, <laughs> s- statically, this all looks great. But when it's moving, it's a big hot mess. Right? There, there's just yep. there's so much. And and I, I like that you specifically mentioned the, you know, some things hurt you. Other things don't like it's it's <laughs> it's questionable whether you know, level design or the camera or the size of the sprites. Like those are all visual things, but it's hard to say like, well, which one would you tweak if you were able to tweak one to fix this problem? Right. Cause like in this era, you can't adjust the camera. You can make the graphics smaller, but that's an artistic choice. Cause now you have less visual information to work with changes, the look and feel the game. Right. I, I, so I understand that complexity. It's not like you could just zoom the camera out, but Things on screen that look like things that hurt you and don't and don't look like things that hurt you and do. That is no question a visual failing. And there's no there's really nothing to debate there. Like I should never as the player be looking at something and that I've I've seen before. Right. Like a falling object and say, will this thing harm me? Right. Because there are ways you could communicate this to the player. You could freeze them in place and have the ground shake and have rocks fall from the ceiling and those rocks don't hurt you. But then there's one big rock that falls and it has to hit you and it does hurt you, but that one looks different, right? And then the player knows, oh, those rocks, the small ones, those are like background rocks to make the the stage feel more dramatic. And then this big one with like the big black outline and the skull and crossbones on it and the red arrows pointing at it, that's the one that'll do damage, right? Some Something, but if you mix your metaphors too much and it's like oh this this thing has an outline and you can't interact with it that thing has an has no outline but it absolutely can interact with you like that kind of stuff is just it's not good it's bad it's bad it's a bad choice yeah uh, yeah no and, and so uh and like you said and, and completely uh avoidable i think that one of the um the things that and i just have this note that i kind of wanted to, to get in there but it, it it does come to the background foreground thing is that at some point they have things that are in the background that come alive and can attack you in stage two where they're the squids and for the, like right when i saw the squids i just paused it and i said squids why not zoidberg because like they look exactly <laughs> like zoidberg to me <laughs> <laughs> and and I just I just felt that that was a job opportunity. The Rosori Berg could have made some additional money, and they just they 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 passed him up. You know, his audition was terrible. <laughs> but one of the things that um so the game is and 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 again maybe this floats. It, it's it's kind of hard for me it, it, when when the the visuals again 
as, as a painting, as a static image, are great, right? But in situations like this, I do have trouble decoupling it from the gameplay because it so dramatically impacts the gameplay. But despite being incredibly brightly colorful, right, and just vibrant, these worlds, the, the, each world is different and it's got its own feel and they kind of come alive. With all of that, Teddy, my four-year-old, was getting antsy while I was playing this game. That's not a great sign, you know? Like, I mean, because this is theoretically a game like made for, it's a platformer, which I mean, yes, he is four, but I mean, like, hell, I was like six, you know, when I can like really remember playing, you know, platformers. So I'm like, it's, it's, and he plays platformers. So I mean, like, it's, it's within his skill set. But like, literally, I was sitting there playing and he just, I remember because like he was laying up against me and he was kind of catatonic, which is, you know, potentially not a good sign, but also, I mean, kids, they'll just go soft focus and just zone, right? But then he started like kicking his leg. You know, I was like, I have literally never seen him do that. Like <laughs> even even during like Pokeo, which is like a white screen and just animated figures in the foreground, right? He is he is focused on that. I'm like, that's that's just goes to show you again, like how chopped up the pacing is and how decoupled the vibrant visuals are from the bizarre gameplay, you know? So the visuals should be just pulling you in and drawing your attention, and they just don't, you know? The, the last thing I'll say about visuals, um, sorry, uh, I like that the bosses are all super unique. The last thing I'll say about the visuals is um, <laughs> in the introduction to the uh, snowy, icy, icy snow level, because, you know, the, like every other platformer, there's, you know, tropical beach and underwater and icy snowy and right. The, all the, the all the story beats are there in the introduction to the icy snowy level. You are uh, going down this hill on skis and it's like mm-hmm. super awesome. And I was like, oh, OK. All right. So there's going to be like a it's like a skiing level where it's like I'm going super fast or something. And then like a thing happens and then like you come like flying out of the, the snowbank and it's like, oh, okay. Okay. That, that was like, that was the, the misdirection. Now they're going to hand over control of the player. No, no, they don't, they don't do that. And I, I placed this here in the visuals because that felt like a goddamn lie. No, it's not an abilities <laughs> because you never get that ability, right? Like, That's what I'm saying. It felt like an abilities, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was just a tease. Yes, right? And, and you know, as you mentioned, Sonic 3 came before this, and there's a Sonic 3 level that opens exactly like this, except you're on a snowboard, not on skis, and you also can't control Sonic. But the thing is, you never are Sonic on the snowboard, but Sonic does move that fast on his own footsies. Rystar marches like he's Bender walking out of the courtroom, right? Like <laughs> he just, he just has this yeah, kind of like, shut up, baby. I know it like kind of gangster pump. And, and so when you see the opening to this level where it's like, Oh look, like when using the right equipment, Rystar can totally got to go fast, but no, it, he just ends up back on his dumb, Mickey Mouse feet and you do his dumb bender walk through the level like every other level. And there's some icy snowy stuff that makes you, you know, interact a little differently like you'd expect, but 
why why this beautifully animated super interesting looking opening all just to be like nope it's gonna function like the altar levels it's just it's yep. it's it you know what it is and in this we're if we haven't already beaten this point to death let's just drive another nail into it someone looked at the opening to the ice world in sonic 3 and went oh that's cool and then they made an opening to the ice world in rise star that is visually almost identical but functionally they are not interchangeable because the opening to the sonic 3 level is like gotta go fast oh but sonic doesn't need a snowboard to gotta go fast and then in rise star it's like gotta go skiing oh your skis broke i guess we're walking champ and anyone who's ever walked through snow can tell you it's not a super zippy endeavor right like that's that this that singular visual example is maybe the best because I I came nowhere close to finishing this game, but that singular visual example is probably in my mind the the best proof that they copied the look and feel of Sonic's visuals, but not the gameplay feel that those visuals should be communicating. Agreed. Um, So I have one more thing for visuals that I kind of want to touch on um, that would be a great segue into gameplay, but we got, we got to do audio next. (laughs) Just, just pretend that, (laughs) that I I will, I will pass to myself on this and and I'll pick it back up in, in gameplay. So, um, so hitbox, right. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where exactly or how exactly it was breaking down because um, I got really frustrated and uh, couldn't. Yeah, I, I started to to fog up my nostalgia goggles. Oh, I wonder if that's going to be what he gives at the rating. Uh, <laughs> you know, with with rage. But um, but, but basically, so the, the hitbox sucks in two different ways. It, it definitely is not grand for whether or not you can hit the thing you're trying to grab, which kind of sucks with a core part of the game right but also whether or not you get hit by a baddie uh is iffy especially because jumping on top of bad guys doesn't kill them it hurts you right so it's really hyper critical that that be handled properly and it's not um and i and i can give you the example to where i knew where i'm like no 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 it's 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 definitely part me like i'm not super skilled at this game but uh, it's definitely a hitbox too, which was um, at the midway through the hot stage, stage three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's six little holes and there are little dudes in the holes and they pop out in an order. Yeah, yeah. And they pop out in an order and you have to kill them in that order, right? I the, the problem wasn't knowing what order to kill them in. The problem lied entirely in execution, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> And where I'd be like, okay, I need to hit guy one, then guy two, then no, I, I, I grabbed the wrong person, or I just tagged myself trying to jump over this one and under this one, or I grabbed this guy and he pulled me towards him, but then dropped me on top of the other guy. It, it was it was a it was a hot, frustrating mess. And to me, that is a perfect example mechanically of where this game falls entirely short, where the visuals and mechanicals come together in this beautiful pot idea of awesome, awful, which is um you know, that that literally the game can visually say, like, this is how you want to execute. And then gives you such poor visual cues and information that the execution fails entirely, which leads very nicely into gameplay. Now, audio. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so well done. So my uh, one of my my super bullets for how I organize my notes in here um, is the audio to me, the music specifically is what I titled Feast and Famine because the good songs sound like they could be almost right out of a Sonic game. It's like, oh man, they they used like the the Sega instrument palette, you know, that we know from Sonic games, but Genesis had that very Genesis sound. It was really grungy and a lot of like distortion and, you know, because Genesis does what Nintendo, right? Like <laughs> what Nintendo <laughs> refuses to do, <laughs> what, what Nintendo lacks the will to do. <laughs> I got that wrong like two, two years ago and like I just won't let it go now. <laughs> nope. Genesis does what Nintendo could do, but is, you know, kind of tired. Yeah, <laughs> Sega does what Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, like they could, <laughs> if they, if if the man would stop breathing down their neck, they could do lots of things. See, that's a Nintendo commercial, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I know Sega does all that stuff, but come on, tired. I worked all day anyway. <laughs> so there, there are songs that I actually really liked, and then uh, the ones that are bad are so bad that I actually questioned myself. So let me take you on a journey Uh, for for a while now. uh, I don't remember exactly which game I first did this with, but for a while now I have been going out of my way to seek out the music on YouTube so that I can listen to it and really just focus on the music, right? Because it's nice to obviously hear it in context, and see how, hear how the music works with the sounds and the gameplay. Do I notice it? Am I completely ignoring it? Because I'm totally enraptured, right? That That's what matters the most. But it is nice to be able to go and just sort of like headphones on and think about it critically in that way, because I, I enjoy that. And some of the games we've played have amazing soundtracks that are just enjoyable to listen to. There is a an instrument used in several different pieces of music in this game that is broken. It is, there's, <laughs> there's, there is no way they actually intended it to sound the way it ended up sounding when they shipped it. And the, my confidence on that is pretty high because in those songs that it features prominently in, it's like, the instrument carrying the melody. So it's not like, oh, it's in the background. It was never meant to be listened to with high quality headphones on turned up real loud. No, this is the like, this is like saying, oh, this Beatles song. Yeah, I mean, it's got a guitar in it, but like you don't notice. And it's like, no, that's like where all of the melody is, is like in that, you know, rhythm guitar. It's like, it's, 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 it's bad. It's, it's so bad that I'm going to do something that I don't normally do because I don't want this to sound like a, a morning, you know, drive radio show. I am going to insert a small clip of the music right now into the episode so that everyone can hear the instrument that I'm talking about because I don't even know how to describe it. So that, that like broken xylophone noise that sounds like it's being played back on an old 
Moto Razor with the speaker that's been dropped into your toilet. Like, a lot of the music in this game is written with that instrument as the primary melody driver. What were they thinking? What was anyone thinking? It's horrible. I mean, I just gotta believe that they were coming down off of a cocaine-fueled bender that was Sonic 3, <laughs> you know? And they're like, we can't do anything wrong! And, and there is no drawback to this drug! And, and then just made this. I mean, I... It, I, I don't want to, you know, get try to get too far into like the developers' heads or anything like that. But man, a lot of this game just feels very, um, uh, very adjacent to Icarus, you know. <laughs> Right, I mean, like this. This seems like the height of hubris, where they were like, "We can do no, <laughs> Marvel can do no wrong." Like, I mean, this is what it was like. The Sonic team, man, it was Sonic. They made Sonic One, and Sonic One was just what drove the entire Sega team. And then Sonic Two was even better, and Sonic Three, Sonic and Knuckles, and it's like, oh my god, this is so good. Let's make it. A- Rystar game. They're like, yes, where we're actually, oh my God, we're actually the star. Like they were the star of the system, <laughs> you know? Like they're like, this is, this is amazing. We are the best. And it was like, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden they realized that in fact they were Samson and they were in the middle of getting a haircut. Uh, Even the, the yeah. Sonic team thing is questionable because most of the internet seems to firmly agree that it was the Sonic team that made this. But when I was grabbing the Wikipedia article to put into the show notes, the Wikipedia article is like, no, it was like a similar team and there were some similar people, but it wasn't technically like Sonic team that is like known for working on all the Sonic games. And part of me is just like, yes, work teams don't always have the exact same people on them. And also if you have, you know, 10, 20, whatever employees, if you don't use their brand name, like if they're not all wearing their matching polos, they're still that team. And at some point, if you, if you take away their name and you swap out like two or three people, but it's a team of like 20 or 30 people, they're still kind of that team. Like what constitutes a team is kind of fuzzy boundaries, but it really feels to me like people who insist that this is the Sonic team are people who don't particularly have a strong love for Sonic and the people who are like, no man, it's not, it's not, it's not like those, those are are the people who are like super big Sonic fans. Cause they're like, no, like Sonic has already done so much wrong. Please stop trying to attribute this to us. Well, so, so, all right, let's just, let's just delve into philosophy here for a second. So, (laughs) uh, I think it was either Plato or Aristotle who had like the, um, you know, the chair, argument or the table argument right like oh like when, you know, when does it stop uh, yeah and actually i'm it's, sorry it's, wasn't, is it, sorry, it's the pile of rice uh no that's that's the grain argument and that, all of these are different versions but i believe that the original one was the uh oh it was the argos it was the uh it, it, so the, it was the argos argument where it was basically like you know jason's ship the argos right like if you replace the mast if you replace the you know yeah. different pieces yeah. of the ship same uh, same version uh, of the or a different version of the same yeah same, same premise right you know the, the grain or whatever it's like if you slowly replace pieces of a thing piece by piece at what point does it cease to be the thing but the chair portion of it is it's like well when does you know i could remove this i could remove that when does it stop being a table it's like when it falls over you know 
Like, so it's like, oh, well, we were we removed and replaced pieces of the Sonic team. How can you say when it's not the Sonic team anymore when it falls over, which would arguably mean that Rystar would not be the Sonic team because it fell over. But then we saw <laughs> what the Sonic team did later. And then it makes you wonder if this two-legged chair was just happening to stand up because the winds were blowing just right, you know? So... Anyways, that's just that. So the moral of the story is I don't have an opinion. Like I, I have really furthered either agenda in no way. But that was a fun little thought experiment for me. Well, I, my my music notes and my audio notes just in aggregate are like really shockingly brief for me because I I usually have a fair amount to say. You know, good, bad. Somebody has to. Well, fair enough. But you know, <laughs> good, good, bad, or otherwise, I I usually have a fair amount to say about the audio. But I just all I could focus on was how horrible this grunge sounds when it is applied to a high pitched melody instrument. Like here, let me, I will go into specifics a little bit. Y'all heard it a minute ago, right? If you go back and play Sonic Spinball, a game that I think actually has pretty good music, there is a grungy distorted instrument in all of those melodies or most of them, but it's not this like full volume, overwhelmingly loud in your face instrument choice. It's supposed to be like an electric guitar. So it's like, right? Like it, it's, it's, they, they toned it down a little bit. It's not super in your face. You can hear the other instruments in Rystar again, as you heard a moment ago, the, the choice to use a distorted instrument in such a high register at such a maxed out volume is to borrow a phrase from our sometimes uh, speaking, sometimes silent co-host Mike indefensible. It is, it is indefensible to write a piece of music that uses such a grating instrument as its main instrument. And then to turn that volume up to 11, like <laughs> I can't imagine someone saying, Oh no, man, that, that that's a toe tapper. Like <laughs> that's my, that's my jam, right? Like if I've been in the corner having, you know, a heart to heart with my buddies, when that song comes on, I'm up on the floor shaking my booty at the club. Like it's just, it's terrible. It's, terrible and there are other songs you can find the soundtrack on youtube go skip around through the soundtrack on youtube and it is almost unbelievable that these songs came from the same composer and are in the same game like it's it's staggering i i don't like <laughs> at every time one of those those melodies would come on that had that instrument choice i just kept going back to that old staple like would you lose a bet like how how did this get in there like did did the did somebody's nephew write this and you were afraid if you didn't put it in like that you were gonna get fired like it's just i i I really feel bad i'm sure someone put a lot of effort into this but i just cannot imagine how they thought this sounded good when there is so many examples of well thought out sound design and well written and well orchestrated music in this game made by right. this team it just it's it's mind boggling not only that they yeah. do this at all but the amount that they do it the amount they use this bizarre instrumentation i just i don't i, I got nothing good to say about it man i've nothing good to say about it um the one the one note that i have for um for audio was that uh so there are checkpoints in this game right um which is good 
there's for a while I thought that there was a little kind of musical cue that let you know, like a kind of like like a uh, or a sound cue where it kind of let you know that you had hit a checkpoint. And it turns out, nope, just a sound that is made sometimes when you hit the ground. I think typically when you get out of the water was when I was noticing it. Oh, wait, do you mean the little sparkly noise? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for reminding me of this because I was so far down my music rabbit hole that I actually forgot to even put this in my notes. (laughs) Um, When you jump in, I don't know, every video game ever made, if there's going to be a cartoony Mickey Mousey Warner Brothers E jumping noise, it happens on the jump, not on the land. Right. When Rystar's feet touch down, there's a little sparkly animation, which again is actually kind of pretty and lovingly crafted, and it makes a little sparkly noise, which is actually a pretty pleasant little sound. Why is it on the landing? Like literally why like it's yeah. it's so disorienting because you associate jumping and sound with the act of ascending right right well because the the jump is what you're trying to do like you jump you don't land after falling right i mean like the the the, the hitting the ground is just the inevitable side effect of having jumped into the air you know it is not what you're trying to do it is the the end to what you have done you know so it's like why i mean literally there's a reason again why we call it like jumping like i am jumping into the air and then i land you don't call it landing you know (laughs) so so that's why when you jump there is a jump sound not when you jump there's a landing sound that doesn't make any sense and again to the point where i thought Oh wow, I heard this little like like tinkling sound. I'm like, ah, okay, you know, and it's not it's not super loud, you know, so you could very easily, as I did, miss it a number of times, you know, which I did. So it's like, oh, cool. This must be a, a letting me know that I hit a checkpoint. Neat. And then like I got another one and another one. I'm like, ooh, I don't think that's what this is. No, it's just it's just the landing sound effect. Neat. Why? Whatever. Again, it's just like what, what what was what was the purpose of that? So that was that was my other thing that I want to touch on about sound. It was that it is it's just it's disorienting. Well, I'm I'm super glad you reminded me of this because uh, and this will be our segue into mechanics because I have a, a good mechanical segue. To, it's just in Sonic the Hedgehog, which I don't. I'll have to play back the tape, but. Uh, this game has a lot of sad things in common with Sonic the Hedgehog. In in Sonic the Hedgehog, when you jump, it makes an exceptionally cartoony. Yeah, it's a super, yep. it's super recognizable, right? I mean, that is as Sonic as Sonic is blue, right? That is the sound Sonic makes as much as he is blue that, when you look at him. That and the spinning up noise, you could probably like just play somebody that midi clip and like people would be able to tell you that's sonic absolutely even if they haven't played it (laughs) well and do you know what else you would be able to say and this is the thing that i think is interesting that occurred to me as we've been ripping this apart is um if i played the sound of sonic jumping for you and and really think about this for a second if i played the sound of sonic jumping for you no visuals no music or anything else could you tell me when he started to descend 
I mean, just from having played the game amount, I could probably, I mean, but like not from just the audio clip from like timing it yeah. off of the jump. If you saw it, you would realize, and I'm, I'm running this on a loop in my head. It's when the sound is done. If you stand still and you jump straight up right at the end of the sound is when you are hitting the apex of your leap. You know, another good platformer that does that super Mario brothers, when you jump and it makes a right at the end of that sound clip is the apex of the jump. And so the audio Hmm. is actually giving you useful information. If you take that away, that's fine. But if you're going to give me a cartoony sound effect that is involved in jumping, it should probably be telling me something, you know, a really well-regarded platform that has a landing sound effect, Mega Man, but it's the sound of Mega Man landing, right? Because he's a robot. And so it makes a sound when he lands, but it's not trying to give you any information. It's just the sound of Mega Man landing, right? So in this, because it makes a sparkly star noise, it feels like it should have significance. And I I respect that that is us projecting our games literacy onto it, but that means that we have internalized that. When Sonic jumps, when Mario jumps, you know that the noise means jumping, not landing, right? In Mega Man, when he lands, it makes the sound of feet landing. And this game, I know, understands that because when you grab onto a ladder, it makes the sound of his hand grabbing onto the ladder. It makes like a, you know, a two, two solid materials impacting kind of noise. So the fact that they made this sparkly jumping and or jumping sound and they have it happen on the landing instead of on the jump is confusing. And it's like literally confusing. Like it makes the platforming more confusing. The platforming in Mega Man is so visually clear that for whatever reason, they chose to go with a landing sound effect. And that's fine because it doesn't interfere with the platforming here. It was actually interfering with your ability to play the game. Yes. Again, you know, like when you come with with cluttered sound and cluttered visuals, it brings you to cluttered gameplay mechanics. So I'm really wondering now, like my hope is that if somebody like cut out right after I said gameplay and started the episode up here, they wouldn't notice the the difference. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so, okay. Oh God, I've got so many, I got a whole bunch of notes. None of them, uh, super positive so here we go um top, okay so there's there's one big overarching thing that i just i got it i want to the the core mechanic to this game is you grab things and you pull them towards you or you towards them right yeah and, so, and you have like rubbery arms that shoot out kind of far away from you yeah you're you're the the cartoon scorpion to the sub-zero that is sonic right so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that definitely doesn't don't 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 think about it morty <laughs> so okay but but the, the, the main thing is that that is the core mechanic it is the jumping that is mario right and it's the gotta go fast that is sonic it is the way through which you move th- through the universe now one of the things that um i you know with all the different game design videos that we listen to and also sort of stuff is that Nintendo always starts out with is trying to find a way to like a thing that is fun and then building the game around it, you know, to the point where like with Mario, I don't know whether this was just anecdotal or true, but basically they said like that they started with just a pixel 
moving through like a pixelated area where it, all, all the pixels could do is jump before they animated Mario, before they did anything. They're like, is this fun? You know? Whether or not that's true of Mario, I can confirm for you that that is true of a lot of game designers. It's like, could would this mechanic be fun and engaging in an empty room with nothing to do and no spectacular visuals and no catchy music, right? So I would absolutely bet on Nintendo doing something like that because they care so much about game feel, especially in the yeah. Mario series. Well, I mean, even with the the my ham-handed attempt at game design with the uh, with um, Dungeons and Drinking, you know, like literally, I just I made cards. I mean, you and I sat down and made index cards, right? And then when I made the visuals, I made them just sparse enough where I said these are visual affordances that the game needs, you know. So again, like that's that's where you start. The way that you move through this game isn't fun. The, the the core mechanic, the core way in which you interact with the world, in my opinion, isn't fun. Now, I, I have I have more than just I didn't like it, which is <laughs> which is that, you know, there is a the, so when you say I want to reach out and that grab that thing, you press a button. Now the game has to animate your arms reaching all the way out grabbing the thing and then either pulling you towards it or it towards you. Now, even though that happens relatively quickly, that takes a while, like in game terms, it takes several frames in Slow order to render whipping. that. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. And that's, that's the note that I have is Castlevania. It's just like, why, why the hell did you keep the clunky whip controls? If now the goal is to dispatch enemies as fast as fast as possible. Why are there still the clunky whip controls? Exactly that, which is that, <laughs> It's there's this delay, right? And so, and the weird thing was, I was like, okay, wait, I think I know what happened here, and I was wrong, which is that they they had they knew how to this is what they knew how to do this right. They knew how to do this right because they did it right in Sonic Three. Because do you remember the fire shield, right? <gasps> in Sonic Three, yeah, that's this mechanic, and it's, it's the and it's instantaneous in Sonic Three instantaneous you press the button you fire ahead it's the exact same way to move through the universe this is just the way 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 worse version of it like they just slowed it down and made it so it's asynchronous to the player input why would you do that it breaks up your rhythm it makes it horrifying it makes it a horror game like castlevania which as we have said before the visuals are not in support of it all this this is the, the, the core mechanic to this game is completely divorced from the aesthetic in its entirety. It's, it's, it's bad design. It's bad design in any game. You don't get a pass. You just get out of jail free card. You, you got to roll three times. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think you actually touched on exactly what the actual cause of this problem is. It's the visuals. The character is lovingly animated and what it appears that they did is they made the animation happen at the speed they wanted the animation to happen at visually and didn't really consider how that changes the game feel and the way this one and only method of interacting with the universe works because my big complaint about this is something you mentioned earlier, which was the hitbox. The hitbox is not bad. It seems to be random. Sometimes I was like, oh, I totally missed that. And the game just gave it to me. 
And then there were other times where I was like, my gloves passed directly through its trachea. <laughs> Why didn't I choke it to death? Right. So there was, it, it just felt like every single time I pressed the button, the game just flipped a coin and it was like heads, you do it and tails, you, you don't. Right. Like it, it just with a bad hitbox, you can start to internalize where the hitbox actually is, even if it's not matching up with what's on screen. But in the amount of time I was able to give this game, which granted was not as much as I wanted, not because I didn't live up to the nostalgia goggles seal of quality. I gave this game the amount of time it needed and not a single second more. But I even in that playtime, I still could not start to internalize where the hitbox actually was like if I hit up and right at the same time and I fire my arms, am I going to grab the ladder? Am I going to hit the enemy? If I do this while I'm falling, cause you can also like arms down and sometimes they expect you to do that despite the super tight camera. Like, am I going to hit the enemy? Am I, because the, the hitbox combined with the lovingly crafted visuals that give you no useful information, it, it, it just ends up where you're you're missing things constantly. You're getting hit constantly when you don't feel like you should be You're You miss platforms. You miss uh, there's a lot of like you have to jump and grab onto a ladder or grab onto like a pole or something where otherwise you fall like there is no platform. The the grabbing onto the thing is how you traverse through that part of the stage. And what really put a bow on this for me that this was the the. This is not the 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 seminal failing. This is the failing is <laughs> if you sit on the title screen, like most games from this era, and even a lot of current games, if they're kind of going for a retro feel, is it eventually shows you a gameplay demo. And mm-hmm. I hadn't seen the gameplay demo. I watched the little opening sequence, but I let the gameplay demo play through when I was like, I'm not going to be able to pick this game up again after this. And you see what life could be like if you could control Rystar the way they think you're going to be able to control Rystar. And Oh, it's amazing. He's just fluidly swinging through the stage, often enemies that are flying in, opening treasure boxes and picking up extra hit points. There's your abilities. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the whole opening of the game is, this is how it's going to feel to play this game. And it's not. It, it sure as hell wasn't for me. I just like, I never got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm fluidly, I'm grabbing enemies and I'm grabbing onto bars. And because when you grab onto something that is stationary, you rock it towards it. Like that is no question the fastest way to move. Otherwise you're bender pimp walking. Like that's slow. They obviously want you to be using this method to move around a lot, but one, it doesn't work the way they imply that it does, or at least it's so difficult to execute. It might as well not work that way. And two, there is a surprisingly small number of these vertical posts for you to vault yourself off of in a game that clearly wants you to move around that way. Like it's they they thought about this arms mechanic as like, oh, the character will be slow on his feet. Whereas Sonic Mm -hmm. is fast on his feet, but can't really do anything with his hands. But this character will use his hands to propel him through the stage. And that will be super interesting. And then they didn't execute well on the literal programming of that mechanic. And they fell down on the level design that would allow you to execute that mechanic, even if the mechanic was easy to execute. Like it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's an interesting idea. And that's why I'm so frustrated with it because 
if you could do it in a super fluid way, it would probably be fun as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so, uh, to your point, like the, the level design, uh, and, and I think you mentioned it, but like just to, to, to put my two cents in there is again, the level design seems specifically made to break up your rhythm because one, you can't jump on top of people to kill them. Like, which is an but odd choice. It's all, it's all about the hands. You can't, it's all about there's the hands. no other way to interact with enemies and basically anything else in the level. Yeah, exactly. So because you can't jump on bad guys, um, the way that they seem to place enemies almost seems to, again, be made to break up your fluid motion. You know, like literally there were times when, you know, an enemy would drop out of nowhere. And I was like, unless I knew exactly what was going to happen, that thing was going to interrupt my rhythm. And that was exhausting. It was just exhausting. Um, So here's here's the other big overarching note that I have for for mechanics, which is that the reward system. So uh, theoretically, the reward for playing this game is fluidly executing on a plan. And we've said, <laughs> well, that, that's not happening, right? But games have other ways in which to reward the player, right? And I mean, like, I remember in when we were playing Donkey Kong Country when it was like, oh, well, think, you know, like, you can get this, you can get that. And like, it's all lies. It's just all, it's all lies. Mm-hmm. It's lies all the way down, right? So the, the, that that's where where basically it's like is an intrinsic reward. The intrinsic reward is playing the game. The extrinsic reward is is kind of like the the, the lives, right? Um, so th- take Sonic, right? Like there's Sonic three or Sonic two, right? There there's a bunch of stuff in boxes, right? So what's what's what all's in the boxes, right? What's in the box, right? The there's, shoes, <laughs> shoes, shoes make you go faster, right? Um, there, there are rings, right? But there's invincibility. Invincibility makes you just able to blow through areas you normally wouldn't be able to blow through. You have different shields. The electric shield pulls rings towards you. The fire shield allows you to shoot forward, but you can't touch water with it. The bubble shield allows you to breathe underwater so you don't have to hear the panic-inducing music <laughs> that, that makes you want to hang yourself, right? Hey, what? you don't drown in this game. You do not drown in this game. <laughs> I will give them that. And they have a cool little Echo the Dolphin thing going on. That as you go down, uh, it gets darker. Um, so who would have thought that the upside of a game would be it's like Echo the Dolphin? <laughs> Sick burn. Damning praise. <laughs> um, so that being said, is so out of everything we listed, right, outside of the rings, every one of them changes the way you interact with the world in a unique and novel way, right? So you get excited for getting the electric shield because it makes it easier to get rings and you just kind of blow through and all the rings kind of float around you and that's kind of neat. You enjoy getting the fire shield because it lets you shoot ahead. What's the rewards in this game? There's, there's two. There's more life, which makes you have to play the game more, right? <laughs> and there's score. And who the hell cares? right? There's nothing, there's no reward in this game that changes the way that you interact with the world, near as I can tell, right? Which means that all of the rewards are ultimately meaningless, right? So, I mean, like, why in the world should I take the time to master the game? All it's going to do is allow me to get a gem so I can get a higher score. Who, behold the field where I grow my gaze upon it and see that it is barren you know like it it just it doesn't matter right and and it's it's one of those things where they's like well there are rewards in this game it's like yes but the rewards don't matter so um 
that that's a huge problem because again it's like oh well like there are chests like there are little boxes in sonic it's like mm-mm. No, it it is not the same. Just like with Mario and his power-ups, they change the way you interact with the game. This does not do that. There's no change in how you interact with the game. It just makes the game play longer or makes you rack up points. Well, there's there's the macro reward of beating the game. And I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, right? Like every game that has an end has that macro reward. And then mm-hmm. there's the smaller rewards of beating like a world, right? Cause there's level, level boss, level, level boss, level, level, right? So there's beating a boss means you're done with that world. So that's like a tier down. And then a tier down from that would be beating an individual level. But then you also need challenges in the level that when you beat them, there's like a little micro reward loop, right? And the fact that this game doesn't, I mean, Sonic 1 didn't have power-ups. Sonic, I mean, it has the speed shoes, but it doesn't have all the crazy shields, right? Sonic 2 didn't have all the crazy shields. Like, there are these tiny different ways that your powers change, but not not drastically, right? There's the shoes, there's invincibility, and uh, there's like the take an extra hit shield. Um, those are fine because they they make you feel like you can do different things, and that's a fine kind of micro reward, but you don't need them. I think this game would benefit from a micro award of complicated platforming challenges that involve using your arms and <laughs> they don't do that in any way that I saw that was ever really satisfying minus once. And I'm, this is not representative of the entire game. I'm saying in my playthrough, there's this one area where it makes no sense. There's ice and you, cause when you're on ice, you don't slide the way you do in a lot of games. You slide infinitely until you hit a barricade of some kind. So they designed this little area where you have to slide against your will and then it forces you to come sliding back and then you have to jump at just the right time to go up to the next level and then you slide against your will and then it forces you to come back. So it's it's like this little kind of a, it's like a falling leaf, but going up, right? The, the pattern gets narrower as it goes upward. Um, So it's still a falling leaf pattern, but you go up instead of down. But anyway, it's an interesting little platforming challenge. It it feels very fluid and slippery and you don't use your arms at all. It's like literally the, the most standout platforming thing in this game that is ostensibly a platformer where you're supposed to use your hands to interact with the world. You don't use your hands to interact with it all. And that was the moment that stood out to me the most. You know what it is? It's like how you hate that everyone's favorite Doctor Who episode is Don't Blink because that's the episode that has Doctor Who in it the least. It's like, oh, if you like that episode, maybe you don't like Doctor Who. It's like, <laughs> it's like if the platforming challenge that stood out to me the most was the one that does not in any way use the core mechanic of this game, maybe the core mechanic wasn't well executed on. Well, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there because so... um what what I think that so the the later games had differences in kind, right? Um, you don't have to have differences in kind um, in order to make a successful game, but it it can help. It can be a thing, right? Um, so you're correct. Sonic One did not, but what Sonic One did, and and Mario. So like even if we take like Mario, where you you can get the Fire Flower, which allows you to shoot fireballs, but there's nowhere near like the cape and the raccoon tail and all this other sort of crazy stuff, right? So again, they added the differences in kind later. But even boiling all that away, right? They 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 are pitting long term rewards against short term rewards, right? So 
you, your your long term reward in Mario is uh, kill Bowser, save Princess, right? Kill this, save that, right? Your short term goal is survive long enough to do that, right? So, but what they do is they constantly pit your short term goal, right? So, like the short term goal of getting a mushroom right? That that could increase your likelihood to survive. However, the mushroom moves forward, right? So getting to the mushroom puts you at risk of be, get, achieving your long-term goal, right? At the, at the likelihood of increasing the chance of your short-term goal, right? So Sonic does the same thing, but what it does is it actually impacts player behavior. So an, another example I can give of this is like Call of Duty, right? Or similar first-person shooter games, right? Where they're leveraging your external um, external goal versus an internal goal, right? So the internal goal within the game is to survive the game. Your external goal is to beat it as fast as possible, right? So typically in like a Call of Duty or first-person shooter game, the most direct path is the one that is most fraught with danger. So if you want the highest likelihood of survival, you can take your time and slowly move through it. However, if you want to do it quickly and arguably mo- more adroitly, you will barrel through. So Sonic uses this, right? Where in the sense that your long-term goal is to, you know, kill, save this, defeat that, right? <laughs> um, so, but your short-term goal is got to go fast, right? And that is it directly antithesis to your long-term goal because the faster you're going, you're way more likely to make a mistake or screw up or kill yourself, right? But God, it feels good to go fast, right? Rystar doesn't have that. Right. There is no because the core mechanic that theoretically would make you seamlessly move through the world is fundamentally broken. So there's so that there is nothing that is that is juxtaposed to your long term goal of, like you said, beating the game, either beating the game, being the level, being all that. There's nothing. It's just you might as well plod through in the safest, most rhythmic way possible in order to get through the game. There's no there's no internal struggle there. Um, and it's just, it's fun. It, it, it basically comes out. It's fundamentally broken, you know, like there's it, you, you lift that one keystone out. It sucks the fun out. Yeah. It's, it's all gone. Cause it's just like, alrighty, well, I, <laughs> I, I just like woke up and Oh God, I'm apparently alive and playing a video game. You know, it just, it, <laughs> it, you, you, you take that keystone out and the, the whole, the whole arch just comes, comes falling down. And, and, and again, I, I do appreciate this is the best praise I've got is I appreciate games like this because they do allow a very stark contrast to games that execute well. And when you say like the visuals is beautiful, you know, the sounds sometimes good, sometimes bad. Right. But it's like, this is in all ways a Sonic game, right? I mean, like it's a Sonic game. Why is it so bad? And it's like, well, because when you, make the core gameplay not fun and you don't juxtapose your ex like any type of like goal either internal or external against one another so there's some kind of decision making struggle then it's just a desaturated platformer and who cares it 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 really feels like because this is a sega game and be you know whether it was actually sonic team or not i don't really care but (laughs) Sega as the developer and publisher knows that they are known for Sonic and it in some ways it almost feels like someone childishly sat down and was like okay this game this game's gonna be different and it's like okay uh Sonic the Hedgehog blue this one yellow uh Sonic real animal this one generic shape okay um Sonic feet this one hands uh Okay, Sonic, good music. This one, terrible music. Why are we going to do that? No, no, keep going, keep going. This is good. We're going to make it opposite in every conceivable way, right? And it's, <laughs> it's like they just kept going down the list of everything 
that you would superficially describe a Sonic game, right? I mean, the internet is rife with people arguing about like what makes a Zelda, right? What makes a Metroidvania? Because those things are specific games, but they've also become like genres in their own right. I don't personally, like, I don't know if I've ever really played a lot of games that I would say felt like a Sonic, right? I mean, there's lots of platformers, but... Sonic is a very specific kind of platformer where it, in a lot of ways, the levels are not your enemy. There are huge parts of Sonic levels that are there to gotta go fast on. And that is their purpose, right? Their purpose is to look and feel cool, not to really challenge you in any way. And that's, you know, you could decide whether or not you think that's fun, but like, that's what they decided to do. And this game really feels like it just took all of these superficial things that makes a Sonic game, a Sonic game or a 2d Sonic game, a 2d Sonic game, and then just randomized which ones they were going to do the opposite of, right? Like Sonic attitude, this one super friendly and helpful. Like it's, it's just like they just flipped a bunch of bits and at the end they didn't come up with something terribly interesting. They came up with something that you can see the exact checklist they went down and all of the bits they flipped, and it's just, it's this, it's it's Rystar. Well, and I think that, um, uh, and and, I, and uh, do you have anything else for gameplay? Because I think this will lead really into. Uh, I I have two little notes that I just needed to mention. Um, one, uh, and this goes with my opposites are not always an interesting idea. Uh, complaint that I just lodged, which is, um. In most games, when you are swimming, if you stop swimming, what happens? You just stay put. Or. You sink. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because the video gamey, like you swim in place or you sink. Right. And that's both of those are fine. In this game, you float straight up. Why? Why? Why do I need to force myself to stay in place like or not do the thing that I would expect in a world with gravity where I have mass and I would sink down when I'm underwater? Like I died a couple times because I realized like I literally looked at my hands on the controller and I was like, oh, you just float up if you're not touching anything like because stars <laughs> naturally go to the sky, man. <laughs> go back you into your shooting? home. <laughs> Haven't you seen shooting stars? Like they go across the sky. Yeah, they don't fall down. That would, that would make any no. sense. Then you'd call no. them falling stars and no, no one leaves. goes. You're thinking of leaves. Leaves fall down. <laughs> no, that, that, that was a detail that I was like, someone had to program in him floating upwards because the animation changes, like you point up in the direction you're floating. I was just like, "What? Well, why?" I, I know exactly why this design decision was made. It, it, which direction does Sonic go? Yeah, this is exactly yeah. what I'm saying. It's, that's what I'm saying. Man. It's like yeah, down to yeah. that level of granularity. Someone just <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, the one other thing I want to mention, and th- this is actually a compliment because I do wish more games, specifically games of this era, did this, which is. Uh, this game doesn't have a built-in level select. There's no password system, but there is, or there's no like password to get back to the level you were at, but there is a password that will let you do a level select, which is a nice thing to have in a game of this era. But the the thing that I'm specifically complimenting is uh, bosses are their own level. And so yes. when, when you are going through the level select, you can do round one, because I think they call them rounds, or round two, or the boss level. 
And you can do that in all you know, seven or whatever of the different worlds. And then the final boss is also its own level. So you can jump directly to the final boss as well. And I just, that is one of those things that like, it's not, it doesn't really make or break the game unless you're playing it in like massive quantities or you're like prepping to be a speedrunner of this game or something. But I really wish a lot of games from this era included that because it's like, Yes. Could I use this to skip over a level that I'm unable to beat? Yeah, I could. Also, let me do that if I want to. Like, and if you're not going to build saving into your game, which I understand that was hard to do on cartridge games, but if you're not going to build saving into your game, let me pick up where I left off. And and this is a yep. really elegant little UI to do that. It's simply implemented. And I was just like, oh man, I really wish this game was better so that I wanted to <laughs> replay some of these levels. <laughs> So, so the point you were making before uh, to to lead us into um, to, to to hold up is that uh, you you said that the level isn't uh, your enemy, right? And and I would agree with that. Generally, a lot of the times, like the level the in biggest... Sonic isn't your enemy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, the level okay. in Sonic isn't your enemy, right? So, which I would agree with. So then, who really is the antagonist? Like the 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 enemy, the the thing that you're fighting against in Sonic? It's you, right? Oh, no, no. This is actually a core design to a Sonic level. The things that hurt you are the robots. The world is not a threat. The robots are out of place in the natural world. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is that you're you, the player, right, are kind of your own worst enemy because the slower and more methodical you go, right, the the more likely you are to just be able to hit all the baggage, all, all this other sort of stuff. But... You want it, you got to go fast, gotta go right? Fast. And the levels give you just enough room to do that, right? They're like, <laughs> oh, oh, well, you, you like donuts, eh? <laughs> yeah, have all of the donuts in the world. Like, it's that, you know, where it's like, go faster, go faster, go faster. And then you just you keep going faster. So you, you are like Icarus and fly as close to the sun as humanly possible. But the fun thing with Rystar is that the developers became Icarus and they <laughs> flew too close to the sun. And so with that in mind... Did it hold up? No. No. <laughs> so he, here's here's my notes for this section. Um, uh, this has a lot of, I think, genuinely interesting ideas that are incredibly poorly researched and executed. Like the arms thing, like swinging around and, and using the um, verticality of the level instead of just the horizontalness of the level, assuming gravity points down. Um, I think there is an interesting game you could make there. And this one just isn't it. Um, so the word that I, I think I've said a couple times on this episode, and I've definitely said to people I've spoken to about this game is like, it just feels like a tragedy because mm-hmm. throughout the game, I never once got the sense that anyone was phoning it in or that they didn't care this feels like a lot of people worked hard and really cared and just, they didn't miss the target. They like killed their partner with their arrow. Like it's like, uh, if you ever go to like a shooting range for like bows or guns, it's like you only point your weapon at something you want to kill. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, like they, they were lining up their shot and someone came around the corner and was like, you know, Oh, Hey Jerry, what do you want me to get you from the vending machine? And they just turned with the bow fully drawn and then fired it at their coworker and killed them. And it, it's just, it's, 
like it, I, I, I don't regret anything we've said over this episode. Like these are all completely valid critiques that I think are rooted in evidence that we had from playing the game. But I do feel bad a little bit being so negative about something that people obviously tried so hard on. It doesn't change my feelings about it. I think this game is terrible, but I do feel a little bad just being like, thank you for trying so hard at this thing. I hated like that's, you know, it doesn't feel good, but I, like this game, it's not good. And my, my one other thing that I'll say is this is the first game we've ever played where neither of us had a nostalgia experience for it. Or I really truly wished one of us had because the fans of this game seem to genuinely like it. I don't think they were trying to troll us, but you and I unfortunately did not play this particular game as youths and our experience as game literate adults was pretty uniformly terrible. And so this mm-hmm. game more than any other game that we didn't like, cause we played plenty of games we didn't like, but this game more than any other, I really wish one of us could have said like, no man, but if you'd played it as a kid, like then you'd get it. Cause I don't honestly think that that's true, but I wish we had that data point. And unfortunately we don't. So for me, full nostalgia goggles, no question. If you played this game as a kid, you'll probably still hate it as an adult. But if <laughs> if you didn't play it as a kid, you're gonna definitely absolutely hate it as a games literate adult. Like full nostalgia goggles required, no question. Oh yeah. And and I mean, of course, I'm I'm like nostalgia goggles, like this nostalgia telescope. Like like <laughs> I, I, do, do we do a rating of like like Farnsworth nostalgia goggles? <laughs> like they're it's just big plate lenses. Thick because, you know, Coke bottles, Pepsi bottles. Yeah, so, so again, like who would who would I recommend this to? I mean, I would re- literally recommend it to somebody be like, if you want to understand why I mean, for one, how easy it is to screw up a game. Because I mean, a lot of times people are like, How in the world did they make this movie so terrible? It's like a lot goes into making a good movie. A lot of things go into making a movie and they all have to go right. You know, so if any one of them fails, it kind of sours the whole movie same thing here you know where it's just kind of like oh well you know anyone can make a sonic game or anybody can make a or, or for example how many bejeweled knockoffs are there right like there's just more than you can count right even bejeweled is 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 but bejeweled is fairly popular how many candy crushes are there there was one huge candy crush right and it's like well but it's can't like anybody can make it's just a match three game it's like mm-hmm then why is Candy Crush so wildly popular and the bajillion bejeweled clones that are out there aren't? Because Candy Crush is doing a number of things very, very, very right. Sonic does a number of things very, very, very right. And Rystar did not get that formula correct. So uh, full nostalgia goggles. In fact, if I had to sum it up in one word, I would sum it up as... The curtain falls... The music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself, the fanfare is gone. There's no player two, there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, A few great events leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land 
battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you've lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less. 